national champions. That is the LSU women's basketball team as we get ready for the Go 24-7 podcast on a fine Monday morning. Bryce Good alongside Glenn West here. And Glenn, it's a happy Monday. I know a lot of people don't love Mondays. I don't know what the weather uh, is right now for maybe you're listening in Baton Rouge, maybe you're listening elsewhere, but uh, the LSU fan base enjoyed the first ever national title for either basketball program. And um, Glenn, I mean, we sat here two, three weeks ago, and I asked you guys, I said, how far do you think this team can advance? And we all kind of sat around Sweet 16, Elite 8, but this team just kept winning. Kind of give me your thoughts, your your reaction thoughts to uh, Kim Mulkey's team, and now we're going to dive into a lot on this podcast. Well, I'll take you back even further. I mean, two years now we've had Kim Mulkey here, and the question kind of floating around was going to be, okay, which of the Scott Woodward hires does uh, mm-hmm. captures the championship first? You know, a lot of – uh, debate in the last year or so has been does Jay Johnson in baseball do they are they able to get to the the, the finish line or uh, but pretty much the consensus here was was Kim Mulkey and I don't think any of us thought it would happen this quickly uh, it's been truly a tremendous run uh, for that team for that program um, I mean just to think about it years ago this was a group that had won just nine games and there was really not a whole lot of tread you know in terms of impact of the program and where it was going. There was just a, a, a really just a mess and didn't really have a whole lot of, um, you know, just, just looking ahead and didn't think it was going to be very much of anything kind of, and, and, you know, Woodward pulls off the hire of getting Kim Mulkey in here. Uh, last year, they, they, uh, they exceed expectations with 26 wins and they do all these uh, things of getting back into the tournament right away. And you kind of felt like, okay, this is going to, it's going to start picking up real quickly here. And then uh, when they knocked it out of the portal, you know, in the off season with mm-hmm. the Angel Reese edition and 33-2, uh, and two, you bring in Flojay Johnson, who's the number one player in the, in the country out of high school. Um, but you didn't think that this was going to happen this quickly, even with all the positive momentum that Kim Mulkey has been uh, building here in, in very short order. Um, just, just – it was it was illogical to think that they could do what they just done and uh, just really really impressive. I mean, um, I think she's now the only women coach women's coach in in history to win a national championship at two uh, at two different places. Um, and and she just she she's she's a hall of famer and it's yeah. easy to see her impact on on a program and how quickly she can build things up and to do it at home where she you know obviously grew up in this state and uh, played at Louisiana Tech, won a national championship there as well as a player, to come back home in Louisiana and pick one up here for LSU to get really LSU basketball on the map with one of these things. I mean, both men and women's have been, uh, you know, have, have had this, you know, kind of marker here that just hadn't been there. They haven't had yeah. a championship, you know, banner to hold. They've had a couple Final Four appearances in each program, um, but never the big one, never a championship, never a championship appearance. And so uh, to do that for this, for this, uh, for these fans and for the university, the programs, uh, for basketball in the state, a uh, very big deal and, and, and really uh, just a phenomenal, phenomenal run. You talked about the run. Uh, look, I mean, it at times was, uh, it kind of feels poetic in the sense, and you see uh, Kim Mulkey, the emotions, and I know you tweeted about it, but this run with this team, obviously I know the broadcast had 
and uh, beat the dead horse. We might have as well with you know the nine new faces and what this team had coming in. But let's let's talk about this game first off, Glenn. Um, I think it's pretty consensus across the board. Uh, the officiating needed to be needed to be that was interesting. The whistles were flying early on, and it put LSU in a situation where I was watching the game, and I know, obviously, all credit uh, to, our, to our man Dylan Sanders, who did a fantastic job covering the game. He's got some great clips over on the YouTube channel. If you're watching this on our YouTube channel, make sure to check that out as well. But put LSU in a situation where they had to use depth. And, wow, how did that depth uh, fare? Uh, number two, Jasmine Carson. LSU number two was trending at Twitter on one point, Glenn. Kind of talk about this game. I mean, when, when the key players, the ones we've talked about through the entire season – aren't available, they're in foul trouble. It's this depth, these newcomers stepping up. Yeah, I don't think Angel Reese uh, played a single second in the second quarter. Um, mm. And LSU was not able was, – was not only able to extend the lead, but extend the lead emphatically and, and take a 17-point lead into the half uh, because of, of the, the, the play from the, um, the bench unit. They were fantastic. Obviously, with Jasmine Carson, she's, uh, she's the one that, that kind of had the – the engine running there for that entire quarter. Um, you know, Poe had a, had a really nice couple of uh, threes there in the second quarter as well. Um, Smya Smith uh, was really solid, I think, uh, down low in the post in terms of just keeping, you know, grabbing some rebounds, uh, keeping uh, Iowa from getting to the rim. Um, this was a this was a team, you know, an LSU team that had really really struggled to shoot the ball from the outside um, for really the last month or two. I mean, they have not been a really great three-point shooting team um and they come out and they go 11 for 17 for the game from three-point mm-hmm. range and, and you just you kind of felt like this was there was something special happening about the middle point of the second quarter here when poe or uh, i'm sorry when carson really started getting cooking from the outside hits those five threes in the first half um and really lsu was 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 uh was was off to the races from there you know, iowa obviously made it a game uh, with their three-point shooting in the third quarter, they got it down to I believe six or seven at one point. Um, but LSU's right, you know, right back able to to push it back up uh, to the double digits uh, with with Alexis Morris and Angel Reese uh, really putting their stamps on the game in the third and fourth quarters. Really able to slow the game down in the second half. I thought that was really crucial. That you know, they didn't really rely on the three after the the hot start. You know, they, you know some teams. When you catch fire like that, you you hope it keeps going. And uh, LSU did didn't do that. You know they 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 mm-hmm. they decided to pound it in the paint, um, settle for mid range jumpers, which is something they've done uh, a really nice job of uh, throughout the course of the season. And um, Alexis Morris, I believe, accounted for most, if not all, of the points in terms of the fourth quarter production, whether it was off of assists or her pulling up and, and knocking down shots. Um, just a really tremendous kind of finish to the game and. LSU really wasn't in doubt for most of that fourth quarter. I thought that they really played a, a phenomenal second half um, after uh, Iowa really cut it down there to about seven or eight. And uh, you flash forward, and they're cutting down the nets 30 minutes later. So it's just a really, uh, really, really cool um, and, and big-time win. Yeah, you talked about Jasmine Carson. Um, was watching the game. The one she hit before half, like – Glenn, I couldn't go outside on the blacktop and practice that. Like, you don't pra- – it's just – it was a heat check, and she continued. I wanted to bring up Alexis Morris because 
you could see the frustration and Morris holds herself to a high standard, but she was frustrated with giving up as many as she did to Caitlin Clark. And at some point during the game, the broadcast pointed out that Kim Mulkey said, Hey, she's going to get hers. Like Caitlin Clark, fantastic player. Uh, you, we saw obviously the reason that she was the number one player in the country uh, and, and, you know, the player of the year, but then Morris starts to kind of pick up steam, like you said, and this is something we've just seen throughout the tournament, uh, just different players. And I think, you know, maybe the people who've covered it, Glenn, but what do you think that this team showed the country that maybe they didn't know coming into the tournament? Is it more that this team's more than just Angel Reese? I mean, that was kind of my big takeaway. Everyone knew Reese's name, but you kind of got to see all these pieces. So maybe what's your, what do you think this team showed and this program showed the country on Sunday night? I, I think they probably showed that they were a little bit deeper um, than, than maybe most people thought. Uh, I think the bench unit outscored Iowa 30 to six or 30 to four or mm. something like that. I mean, a lot of that has to do with Carson in the first half to really just catch fire and uh, be shy of shooting. She was putting up some real shots falling. I mean, it was just a really incredible sight to behold. Um, but yeah, I, I think, you know, look, they, they, they had a really nice game plan. Yeah, I think, the, the the message kind of coming in and hey, who outside of Caitlin Clark is going to be able to kill us um, and and make them be the ones that hurt us and uh, I think they did a really nice job of that I mean Caitlin Clark was uh, you know really phenomenal eight of nineteen from three mm-hmm. um, you know thirty points uh, but they also forced her into to six turnovers and you know when you're asked to carry such a heavy load uh, like she is uh, for her team. Being able to take those turnovers and convert them into points on the other end, uh, LSU was able to get out and fast break a number of times in the first and second half uh, off of those turnovers. 16 total for Iowa on the night um, was was a huge, huge sign. Uh, and LSU was able to convert on the other end and really create some separation early uh, and really ride that momentum. I thought that was a huge takeaway from this game. Um, you, know, you talk about Ladeja Williams on the inside. Mm-hmm. I thought her contributions were phenomenal, um, 20 points and five rebounds. Um, but, but really for me, the, it comes down to a couple of things. Obviously the, the Carson you know, hot streak from three uh, in the first half, but uh, really Alexis Morris uh, in that fourth quarter was just in complete control of that game. Yeah. It didn't really look like LSU for a second was going to be able to kind of lose that lead. I mean, she was just she, – she'd slowed things down perfectly, kind of made things difficult on Caitlin Clark in the fourth quarter, didn't really allow a whole bunch of open shots for Iowa to kind of find some momentum to get back into the game. And uh, LSU was able to hit their shots on the other end. And um, I, I thought the the way that Alexis Morris played in the fourth quarter um, is why she is probably the second most important player um, on this team. Um, and and she 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 was really you can make the argument the most important player in this entire tournament uh, with the way that she played down the stretch. Yeah, I agree. Another thing that was pointed out to me, uh, Flaja Johnson, who was not I mean she didn't light up the box score, but it felt like she was kind of the uh, the the balancing act throughout the entire game. Uh, LSU was plus 20 with her on the floor. I mean, that's that's pretty good. And so Johnson provided uh, some some buckets, did a really nice job in the mid-range, and I think playing defense and being active as well. And then the second part, wanted to get your take on this. You talked about 
and I think a lot of us thought, what were some other options? And Dylan kind of talked about this in his preview on Sunday morning was uh, Monica Zanano. Uh, Zanano. And, and, you know, what would she be able to do then? That's the, uh, the, the fantastic uh, forward center for Iowa. Uh, we saw how she dominated in the South Carolina game. Look, she gets into early foul trouble, and you can cry, you know, one way or the other. I think, I think both sides had to be able to plead their case about some of the calls. But she gets in foul trouble, and she just never really took hold of the game. Now, she finished with 13 points, 5 of 11 from the field. Um, you know, but I think that was a huge part. You're really limiting and putting the game on Caitlin Clark's shoulders, which, look, Clark's shown the ability to win a game by herself. But, I mean, hey, heads up to Dylan because uh, – our hats off to him because, uh, man, he hit that on the mark with that. Any kind of takes with, you know, how they played defensively in this game. In a game, I'll say, Glenn, that a lot of people, the pundits, thought – if LSU's going to win, it's going to be a low-scoring battle. I don't think anyone expected triple digits, but kind of your thoughts on the on the defensive effort on Sunday night. Yeah, I mean, look, the 102 points is the most that any team has scored in a championship game, men or women's, ever. I mean, mm. that in That's and of crazy. itself, for a team, like, especially for a team like LSU that had struggled so much offensively coming into this game, um, it was a big, big deal. I mean, the, the, the defense down the stretch, I thought – um, was really solid. Um, both teams had had great flashes offensively in the first half, and um, you know I, I think really the, the the big key defensively for LSU was to make someone else other than Caitlin Clark beat them. And mm. um, you know they it was pretty simple game plan. Um, you know, look, Iowa still finished with eighty five points. I think on most nights LSU loses that game if Iowa scores eighty five. Um, but really this was a game about the offense and I, I, you did not think that was going to be the case coming into this one. Um, and it's a credit to LSU. It's a credit to the, the shots that they were making and the momentum that they were gaining off of those shots. I mean, it really, um, and it really started with Floje, which you, which you mentioned there, she comes in, hits a couple big threes. Yeah. She committed a couple turnovers early in the game, but her shots early on, I thought, uh, really gave them some life and some juice. Um, and, and I thought that was a really big, uh, kind of start for LSU. And certainly when Carson came in the game, she kind of took it over and, uh, it was just off to the running from there. I mean, it was just a really entertaining basketball game just from, a uh, if you even weren't a, a casual, or if we even weren't a fan of one of these two teams, just a casual basketball fan that was tuning in, uh, really not a whole lot to pick apart in terms of the, the shot making and, Mm-hmm. Uh, the, the execution on offense certainly, um, you know, the officiating was a big, big, big problem. Um, I had a huge issue with Caitlin Clark's technical there. I thought that was that was bad, really weak, really weak. Um, because it, I mean, it, it limited her efficiency in the second half. She just she had to go sit down uh, yeah. after that fourth foul, and um, they had to, you know, I, I think you could certainly make the argument too that they had to really protect her in the second half because of some of the ticky tack fouls that were being called, and so you know there were some some bad calls, you know LSU's way as well. I think probably the biggest difference though when it comes down to it is LSU just made more shots, and that was just not something that I thought would be a winning formula for them coming in. And it's a big credit to the players, and it's a big credit uh, to Coach Mulkey for for leaning into it. Yeah, LSU finishes up shooting 54% from the field, 64%. You alluded to that earlier, 11 of 17 from beyond the arc. Uh, One last question as we kind of get out of here with this. Uh, 
You know, Kim Mulkey, in her, I believe it was an introductory press conference, made the comment that she was at LSU to do one thing, and that was to bring championships. Glenn, she's done that, and you could see the emotion. She's brought a championship uh, back to Baton Rouge. What does this do for the future? I, I mean, you've been around the program. Obviously, you went to LSU. You've seen this. What can this do for a program uh, going forward? I mean, I think the excitement stays, in, in my opinion, and the sky's the limit. What are your thoughts? Oh, absolutely. I mean, they, they uh, you know, we, we talked about some of the accomplishments they've had since coming here, but earlier this year, they sold out the PMAC, and it was the largest crowd in PMAC history earlier this year uh, in one of their games. I can't recall which one it was um, at the top of my head. Maybe it was the Tennessee game. I can't quite remember. Maybe. Um, but, that's just one little snippet into what has been a just complete, complete A plus turnaround for a program. I mean, I can't think of any in college athletics that has happened this quickly. I mean, I think yeah. we all, you know, the expectations coming in when you hire someone like a Kim Mulkey is that you, you hope to win national championships. You hope to be competing for national championships sooner than later and eventually win them. Um, but to do it in year two, um, particularly with some of the deficiencies that are on this team that were glaring, I mean, throughout the entire season, um, you know, the, you can make the argument they didn't have a lot of great depth uh, from from a size perspective, um, but they just kept battling through it. Um, you know, they, 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 they didn't have a whole lot of, you know, offense in terms of just consistency and, and from game to game. Um but, you know, look, they, they absolutely um, yeah, I, I exceeded expectations this year. They did a really, really nice job. They, they, they just did a really nice job, I think, of, um, you know, not exceeding expectations and, and what this program could be going forward. Um, you, you think about what's coming back, obviously, with, uh, you know, you lose Alexis Morris, who's a huge piece of this. That's not going to be easy to replace. Um, but you got Angel Reese coming back another year. You get Floje in year two. Um, a lot of those pieces are going to be back from the bench. Uh, Samaya Smith uh, is, a, is a borderline five-star that you had come in as well. Uh, and she played a lot as a true freshman. You're hoping she makes another big jump. You've got the number one player in the country in 2023 coming in. Um, and yeah. Then you obviously got the portal and go in and find another – uh, elite guard in the portal help you um, kind of pick up what with Alexis Morris. And so, yeah, this is a position where LSU can certainly look that at as a the beginning or the start of, of a really special couple year run here. I mean, they, they were pretty much playing with house money from the sweet 16 on. I think all of us kind of knew that, that, you know, however, whenever they, their run ended in this, you know, from the sweet 16 to the championship um, that it would be really just gravy on the you know, icing on the cake. And so uh, for them to get this far, for them to win this, to get over the top uh, with a championship in year two, uh, just a really, really incredible uh, turnaround. One of the best that I would imagine anybody's ever seen. Uh, and it's just getting started. I think there's a lot more uh, exciting times ahead. Yeah, and to kind of close on that, I mean, for me, I think that the biggest thing that you see, what does this championship provide LSU? One, you mentioned it, transfer portal. I think Baton Rouge and LSU has become a destination now that players want to come play. And they probably already did with Kim Mulkey. I mean, you have to be a certain type of player to play under her. But now that the you have the proof that we can win down here, 
uh, that makes it all that more attractive. And then and, obviously and you heard it from the ahead. players after the game too. Like they, yeah. they are allowed to be themselves in this, in this program now. And and they're allowed to, um, you know, just, just have their own personalities and grow their brand. Um, you know, you saw that with Johnson, obviously with the rapping and also with Angel Reese and, and a lot of the, um, you know, the, the, the fun on court. Like the, yeah, the fun like on court <laughs> stuff that she does. I mean, look, it's, you can't, you can't, I think the one thing about that, and we should pay, maybe talk about that a little bit in terms of just, um, you know, the, the, the post game Twitter overreaction to something like that. Um, look, Angel Reese is uh, a phenomenal talent and yeah. she absolutely, uh, deserves to talk as much as she wants. They just won the national championship. They just did something incredibly improbable with nine new players on this roster. Um, they, they had to come together very, very quickly. Um, and she was, you know, she was living those emotions in the moment. And I don't think you should be able to fault any player for that. And, and I think that was, um, you know, just a, a sign of what this team has been all year. They've been very, you know, I wouldn't say cocky, but they've been on that side of the the, the realm in terms mm-hmm. of their, their season play all year. They've been very confident in themselves all season. And, um, you know, I think that's been a big part of their success. And I would say this, too. I mean, for those that are against it, and obviously you mentioned the social media kind of backlash, we'll say, uh, from Angel Reese. Look, to be a champion, you do have to have a little bit of a chip on your shoulder. You, you have, and, and sometimes you have to manufacture that. You have to manufacture that it's us against the world. And sometimes I think it's even better when you see this group that you saw during spurts in the regular season. And the fan base saw it, but maybe nationally people didn't see it, Glenn, to where they walked out on the court and every single – and it was probably led by Reese and I think others got on board was, we are the best five on the court. Nobody out here is going to touch us. No one's going to beat us. I think they carried that in the SEC tournament. And, yes, you know, people are going to jump on the bandwagon against you when you lose, but that adds fuel to the fire. And I think that was cool to see kind of, uh, you know, go and kind of grow into the into the March Madness. And, look, that's what it's about, too. I mean, that's what this tournament is about. It's about creating heroes. Some people see them as villains. Uh, I think that's what makes sports fun. So I do agree with you. Look, I'd rather have a roster that, that is thinks they're the best out there and goes in with that mentality because that's how you win a championship. And, two, you have a head coach – that is able to harness. I want to say harness, yeah, harness that to the ability to say, hey, we got to lock it in. It's okay to have fun. Uh, but then obviously like you talk about the personalities. I mean, when the game really was over and, and you know the team was over, kind of the dead ball and the team hyping up the crowd. And first off, shout out to anybody who was there. That that atmosphere was unbelievable. I mean, I don't know when you look at attendance or when they come out with the numbers of how many people watch this game, but I have to believe, Glenn that's going to be one of the most watched national championship games. And I would say maybe men or women over, over the past, you know, five, ten seasons. I mean, I know South Carolina, Iowa broke a lot of records. I'd love to see where this game ranks uh, up there uh, yeah, as well. Because, yeah, because it's two programs that really haven't been there before that have very yeah. dedicated fan bases and have very passionate fan bases. LSU has a very historic resume that has been eluded from this championship for decades now. I mean, they've been a really consistent program, you know, holistically, when you look at it from a bird's eye view, they've been as consistent as many of these programs and they just don't have the the championship yet. And so for them to be able to, 
kind of weather the storm with some really bad kind of poor seasons um, and, and get, get championship, you know, with a lot of these women still around still, um, you know, Simone Augustus was there. They had a bunch mm-hmm. of had a really great clip of uh, Bob Starkey, who's been an assistant coach there for a long time, hugging a bunch of his former players and him essentially telling them that you guys laid the bricks for this and foundation for uh, what we've, just accomplished and that this is all yours too. So um, to see that and to have those kind of moments with the former players, the former greats, um, it's it's just a really special all all around day, uh, I think, and, yeah. a, and just a big big accomplishment for basketball at LSU. Well, I think fans should enjoy it, uh, Glenn. I don't I don't know any details on on a parade, but I'm sure there's going to be some kind of thing going on uh, around campus here as the uh, as the team gets back. And uh, they get to celebrate the first ever national championship. And uh, man, it was a fun ride. And the exciting part, if you're an LSU fan, you say, "Hey, let's uh, let's go do it again. Let, let's go see what can happen next year." Because this is going to be a talented group uh, that we will be talking about. Uh, hopefully, talking about in the first week of April. And, and Glenn, what a what a way to start off April. I mean, geez, we were just sure. talking about before we recorded. It's Masters week. Uh, you know, baseball. You know, Sunday Saturday wasn't pretty by any means. But when we win a series, series yeah. win. That's what you need. Uh, and I think, too, to kind of round it out, and you may can speak to this a little bit, too, when you have a championship in one sport like this, and, and especially, and this is not a knock against other sports and other teams, but especially one of the more visible sports that we see, you know, broadcast and stuff like that, it can do wonders for an athletic program. And uh, this is a program that uh, I think one of the coaches, I don't know if it was Brian Kelly or not, said, man, Year two, something's happens in special year two, and I saw a lot of fans commenting under that tweet saying uh, maybe football is going to have to have to do that, and we forget about it. But gosh, baseball uh, could do some things as well. So it, I think it does well for a whole athletic program. Yep, several of the coaches are in year two here. Jay Johnson's in year two. Brian Kelly's in year two. Um, I don't know. Maybe there's something to it. We'll find out soon enough. But uh, we, just a great accomplishment though for the women and. Uh, Definitely more to come. I think there's a lot of excitement around this program. There certainly is. We appreciate you tuning in to the Go 24-7 podcast here on a fine Monday in April. We've got a lot more coming. Uh, Stay tuned throughout the rest of the day if you're listening to us on Monday. And if not, go back to Go 24-7 and check out all the content, including some highlights we're posting, some really cool interviews. And once again, shout out to Dylan. He did a great job covering this all weekend in Dallas. That's all for Glenn West and myself, Bryce Kuhn. We will see you next time here on the Go 24-7 podcast.